I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Want to say hello to all the people that are just filing into the chat as we begin Wednesday's episode, which if you are a longtime fan and watcher of the Pewter Report podcast, you know this is when we preview the Bucks next game. If you're a first-time watcher or listener, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PewterReport.com. His name is, well, those are his initials. His name is Scott Reynolds. And Scott, it's still a regular season, but it is the playoffs for Bucks vs. Falcons. More on the Bucks side of things than yeah. Atlanta's, but it's do or die for the Bucks this week. It, it really is. I mean, th- this is a game that I'm pretty excited to see because it was a close game back in week seven. The Buccaneers should have won that. They had opportunities to. Uh, at the same time, you could you can look at this objectively and say, well, if not for three red zone fumbles by Desmond Ritter, including two at the yes. goal line, this could have been a blowout for the Atlanta Falcons on their side of things. So I think both teams have so much to play for. In my opinion, I think this is an elimination game for one of these coaches. If 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 Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers lose this game, they're essentially out of it. They're not mathematically out of it, but they're going to be three games back behind the Atlanta Falcons and down two games in the division. Their margin for error, they pretty much have to win out and then hope for several Atlanta losses uh, for for them to regain the NFC South lead. I don't see them making the playoffs without winning the NFC South division. So, and the same thing could be said too of the Falcons, Matt. I mean, Atlanta is known for choking, right? I mean, they're not not, 28 to three, but also how many times have we seen the Falcons Falcon at the end of games and just choke and Falcon it up. And so, um, you know, and you look at the, the last two years with Arthur Smith as the head coach, both teams that he has presided over were seven and ten. So there's been no progress there. They have to make some progress this year. They're on the cusp of it. A win would get them back to seven wins yeah. this year with the seven and six record. They would have kind of a mini stranglehold over the NFC South right now. But a loss, and all of a sudden doubt creeps in again, right? Uh, does Arthur Smith have what it takes to get this team over the hump? Are yeah. the Falcons going to choke down the stretch and and lose a division in which they've had the lead on for you know for a minute now? So a lot's at stake in this game, not just this year, but for these franchises going forward, because there could be some head coaching uh, turnover here uh, as a result of the outcome of this game. Yeah, for the uh, wrestling fans watching this show, this is a loser-leaves-town match between right. both head coaches. Because, And we talked everything about Todd Bowles, why he would get fired yeah. if he if he, uh, you know, if he he you know gets let go at the end of the season. But for the Falcons' side of things, I mean, they brought in Arthur Smith. He's an offensive guy. He was the offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans. On paper, there is a lot to like about the Falcons' team, especially yeah. on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's B. John Robinson, who they drafted this year, who's extremely excited, Algier, who was a 1,000-yard rusher last season, Drake London, who's a very talented wide receiver, Kyle Pitts at tight end. Their backup tight end is, is very serviceable as yeah. well. And they poured a lot of money 
on the defensive side of the football. And obviously they get a stud player at safe, Jesse Bates, who is second in Pro Bowl voting, where unbeknownst to me, I, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud, Antoine Winfield Jr. is nowhere to be found on the Pro Bowl voting at the moment. Uh, he's not even in the top 10, but I digress. So, yeah. um, you know, Arthur Smith has really been given everything in front of him for this team to be successful. And uh, kind of like what you said, the Falcons are going to Falcon. They have, they've had a lot of winnable games, Scott. I know they've won two in a row, but let's face it. Their last two wins, they beat the New York Jets, who are going back to Zach Wilson as their quarterback. So their <laughs> offense is by far the worst offense in the league. And yep. the Falcons won that game 13-8 to in a rainy, disgusting game. The one before that, they beat the Saints 24-15, to but the NFC South is going to do its thing and just implode from within. So it doesn't yeah. even count as a big win if you beat someone from the NFC South when everyone else is terrible. Right before that, before the bye week, they had three losses in a row against the Tennessee Titans, yeah. who saw the Bucks beat convincingly. Yeah, that's right. Go to Vikings who have Josh Dobbs as their quarterback. That was the that was the infamous game when Dobbs was not even there for a full week and he came right. in and, <laughs> and, and beat the Falcons. And then they lost to the Arizona Cardinals, who are better with Kyler Murray, but they're still a three-win football team. So yeah. as much as you want to say, oh, the Falcons defense has improved as of late, and whatever statistics you want to look at, you watch those games. The Falcons don't look like a menacing team by any means, but on the same side of it, we know how the Bucs can get in their own way and can look so flashy and, oh, they've turned the corner at times, and then the next minute, bam, they shoot themselves in the foot, there's a turnover, there's a penalty, and silly mistakes. So something has to give in this game. I'm just not quite exactly sure if it's the Falcons falconing or the Bucs turning into the Yucks. No, I'm with you, Matt, and, and I, I think that that you know both of these head coaches um, have got their own issues, right, in terms of game management, <laughs> creating momentum. Um, I, you know, I, I will say I think Arthur Smith and the offense the last time did a much better job uh, against um, you know Tampa Bay's run defense. They, they, yes. they found, really, and, and I have to say this, Desmond Ritter for his faults, um, you know he. You know, he's beaten Tampa Bay in his last two outings, right? I mean, the week 18 game where uh, Todd, you know, Bowles elected to pull his starters and probably wisely so because yeah. Tom Brady was was playing behind a banged up offensive line at the time. They lost Robert Hainsey in the game and, and Nick Leverett also got hurt. So, uh, but, but Ritter really came to life in the second half. Algier ran for 100 yards, ended up with 1,000 yards on the season after a big game against Tampa Bay. And, and they got that late-season win. They gave the Buccaneers an 8-9 and nine record rather than a 9-8 and record. And then he comes to Tampa and does it again. He's not a great quarterback, but he is 2-0 against Todd Bowles. And as much mastery as Bowles has over the New Orleans Saints, he doesn't really have that against the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, this, this is going to be – it's going to be kind of a, a bit of a heavyweight fight here. I don't know which team I'm going to pick uh, for for this game because I, I, I you and I watched the the Falcons Jets game uh, before the Bucks played. I wasn't terribly impressed with with how Atlanta was handling the the Jets. I mean, a 13 to eight win. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they can't win, but it wasn't terribly impressive. At, at the same time, you could say the same thing about Tampa Bay's three-point win over a one-win team in Carolina. So, I don't know. This might be the battle of the sucks on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you. I kind of throw both games for the Bucs and the Falcons, who they played last week. I kind of throw that out the window because yeah. the, the Jets' defense is still it, it is an good. extremely it's, formidable yes. defense. They got their third safety of the season against the Falcons. I don't think any other team has more right. than one. So. You know, the Jets' defense is still very stout. And as we saw in, in the Bucks panthers game, the Panthers are the worst team in football. Their offense is, isn't going anywhere. And uh, the, the weather was horrible. And it was horrible in, in New Jersey as well for uh, for Falcons versus Jets. So yeah. I kind of take those two games and, and throw it out the window. Because in a perfect world, I would love to look at the fact that the Bucks 
pass rush was really able to get after the quarterback and multiple players had sacks and they were great in the passing game. I mean, outside of one throw down the field to DJ Chark uh, against Carlton Davis and Carlton had a great game outside of that, the Bucs didn't really allow the big play at all, but how much stock can I put into that given all the circumstances that we had already talked about when you look at everything else the Bucs have done in the recent weeks before that, that leads you to tell, oh, well, who's to say the Bucs won't just fall on their faces again, whether it was yeah. allowing so many rushing yards to Indy and then letting Gardner Minshew kind of throw the ball down the field. Or, you know, that was the second yeah. of a back-to-back 27-point outing that the defense was was giving up. So which team really, truly finds their identity? I don't think we will really know until the opening kickoff. I know. It, it's going to be an exciting game. Win or lose, the Buccaneers always make it interesting, right? I mean, they could that be a true. maddening team. I feel for you, Peter, people that, that root for this team. Um, <laughs> it's maddening to cover. Uh, we get it from, from our side of things. But uh, it's, it's never boring. This is never a non-interesting team to cover. There's always some kind of drama. Uh, whether it's the, the Tom Brady divorce thing last year, uh, whether it's been injury-filled seasons. Antonio um, Brown just leaving? Yes. Just peace out? <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. It's the, the Bucks win or lose, are, are never dull. So there's that. Uh, Long Lost Blazer has a question here. 49ers cut a running back. Do the Bucks put in the claim? Interesting note about this. The reason why I'm kind of highlighting this, uh, the, the running back that was released by the 49ers, uh, Ty Davis Price, who was uh, a running back at LSU, third round pick in 2022. So that's kind of a high pick that that was you know released. It didn't really have much in the way of statistics over the last two years. Played in six games as a rookie, ran for 99 yards and no touchdowns, averaging 2.9 yards a carry. Uh, really is a seldom used backup this year. Had six carries for 21 yards, 3.5. I was not terribly high on him coming out of, of LSU. Um, to me, kind of a Keyshawn Vaughn-ish type player, so I don't think there's much interest. But the interesting thing is the reason why the 49ers cut him is because they signed uh, somebody who is familiar to the Buccaneers, and that is uh, Logan Ryan, the safety. Yeah. So um, Logan Ryan, who's been sitting at home waiting for a call all season, gets to uh, gets to join the 49ers and have a chance to maybe get get a ring with uh, with San Francisco if they keep winning the way they, they are. So Yeah, I, I was happy to see that for Logan Ryan. Yeah, um, good guy. I thought that, yeah, good guy, fun to talk to. And I think injuries were the biggest issue for him with uh, with the Bucs last season. I think when he was, like, fully healthy, he was able to make some plays yeah. for the Bucs where that secondary's kind of been asking for it. I'm not saying, oh, well – the, the Bucs secondary is a Logan Ryan away from right. turning into that 2002 defense. Um, but he's, yeah, he's kind of going the Indomitian Sioux route of just, I'm going to wait it out, take my time and then pick a winner yeah. when, uh, when they need me. So yeah, you know, good luck to him. Exactly. Uh, Richard Taroka here with a, a, a question, a concern, maybe I'm very conflicted. I want the Bucks to be able to draft a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years yet. I still want them to win. Yeah. So it is kind of uh, interesting, right? I mean, uh, fans want a change. Maybe they don't believe in Todd Bowles being that coach to take this team all the way to the Super Bowl. And and quite honestly, if you don't have a coach that you believe, and I'm talking about like ownership here, if you don't have a coach you, you believe can take your team the, the whole way and win it all, then you're just treading water. And it is time to to maybe move on. Uh, but I get that. And and. <laughs> Listen, I've covered this team since 1995 professionally. I walked in the door with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, and Trent Dilfer was already here in the building as a first-round pick back in, what, 1993, I believe. So you've had I've seen Dilfer, right? And, of course, before him was, was uh, Vinny Testaverde, before him was Doug Williams, right? So there's been some first-round draft picks here in, in Tampa. Uh, so you've had Testaverde, you had Dilfer, you've had uh, Josh Freeman, You've had Jameis Winston, right? So there's been plenty of first-round picks that have not panned out. None of those guys, actually no drafted quarterback has received a second contract by the Buccaneers. That's a crazy statistic. Even in the second round, you've got Sean King, right? Mm -hmm. You've got guys like like Chris Sims in the third round, Mike Lennon, 
Um, yeah, I've just I've seen the whole gambit, and there hasn't been a drafted quarterback that's really been worth the damn here. It's crazy. The only time this franchise has had success has been with free agents. Yeah, it was Brad Johnson in two thousand two. It was um, Brian Greasy in, in two thousand five, and Jeff Garcia in two thousand seven. Yep. These are all division winning quarterbacks here, and then you've got. Obviously, uh, some guy named Tom Brady. He did a pretty good thing in two thousand. Yeah, he was solid. Twenty. Yeah, solid. Right. Um, so Worth my point. My point is, is is this franchise has got to buck about forty years of history. Can they do it? Eventually, they will find a guy. I don't know whether I'm going to be covering the Buccaneers by then. I might be dead, <laughs> but at some point in time, they will hit on a a draft pick. And I will say this: they've had the number one overall pick, right? And that was was Jameis Winston. Didn't pan out. Uh, there's been a couple of other guys that have had a lot of success that weren't number one overall picks. Patrick Mahomes was picked 10th. Yep. Josh Allen, I think, was 7th or 8th. Lamar Jackson's 32nd. So you can have a, a quarterback, um, and, and this is a year where there's going to be probably five or six top guys to kind of choose from, maybe in the first round, maybe some of those guys slip in the second round. But it'll be interesting to see. But we have to all let it play out and see. This team might have a playoff berth before we get to that quarterback. Um, that depends on if they win or not on Monday or on Sunday, man. You know what would be objectively hilarious is if Kyle Trask broke that streak just by the simple possibility <laughs> of like yeah. he never plays and then his contract runs out and it's like, Hey, you know what, Kyle? Why don't we just re-sign you to a one-year deal versus right. very little? There's not many teams out there looking yes. for Kyle Trask because he hasn't played at all. So he's right. just back on a one-year deal that's worth nothing. Backup, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll be the third-string <laughs> right. quarterback. It's like, oh, hey, he broke yeah. the record. He was drafted by the right. Bucs, and he re-signed with the Bucs. It's yeah. almost like the Ryan Griffin route, where like Ryan right. Griffin's the longest tenured quarterback <laughs> in Buccaneers history that's and right. never played. Kyle so Trask, two games. Yeah, Kyle Trask might as well uh, – might as well break that record. But we got a yes. uh, super chat to get to. Thank you to Buck Spaceman for this $5 super chat. Sticking with the topic of quarterbacks, uh, they say, Baker saying they seem like a different team is laughable. He played like trash, and the team barely beat a 1-11 and team having the same issues as always. We actually have that video, so let's, uh, let's, do it. let's play it. Since the last time you faced them. Um... Yeah, we're definitely just a, a lot better on offense looking at it detailed-wise and just the understanding of everybody knowing what exactly we're trying to get accomplished. So, um, yeah, the, the first game was a little hard to watch film-wise, just going back through it and seeing the improvements that we've had. So, uh, But that they presented the different issues for us that we had to learn from, uh, some blitz package issues. And uh, that they were – I mean, they held us, you know, to a pretty low score. So we've got to go in and improve, learn off the, that game plan, but also, you know, them not having Grady Jarrett's a little different. They've had Street come in and play really well for him. So we're, we're both different and to a certain extent. So just got to look at the new tape and, and grow and learn from there. For you. But is this the game where you're going to have to find another superhero in offense to, to come alongside Mike and have another great type performance as uh, well? Yeah, this is one of those games that, you know, obviously he's been he's been the main guy for us. So uh, everybody's got to be ready. Everybody's got to be ready to step up, not, not to, you know, Harp on your question. Nobody needs to be a superhero, but just do your job consistently. And I think that's one thing that we can look back at the tape from the first Atlanta game is everybody do your job consistently and good things will happen and, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. Well, tomorrow uh, we're going to have a, a podcast with uh, – actually, let's put that up first. We'll do that. Um, so tomorrow we've got J.P. Peterson coming on. And uh, we're going to be talking about that exact topic, uh, the Bucks who must step up in Atlanta. We know that Mike Evans – is going to be yeah. the guy, right? He always has been. And we know that that uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, is also going to be the guy on defense. The problem is, Matt, is both of those guys played really, really well. Mike had a touchdown to give the Bucks an early lead against the Falcons, if my, my memory serves me. Winfield was everywhere, forcing fumbles, breaking up passes in the end zone. He was his typical one-man gang. But who else needs to step up? Because just Mike and just Antoine was not enough back in week seven. So we're going to be talking with J.P. Peterson tomorrow at 4 o'clock uh, about who needs to step up, which players. And uh, uh, that guy right there, number 94, might be one of those guys we talk about. And then speaking of talking about Bucks falcons on Sunday at noon, Peter Game Day is back in action, where we're going to be having a preview of the show 
to come that is uh, at 1 o'clock kickoff, uh, Bucks and Falcons in Atlanta. Make sure you join us, uh, presented by Celsius, the Pewter Game Day Show. The live pregame starts at noon, followed by three hours of Matt Matera analysis and brilliant analysis as, uh, as you guys enjoy the game with Matt. And that's uh, at 1 o'clock. Yeah, I think uh, the reactions are the funnest part, whether they're good, bad, ugly, beautiful. Usually, of course, we like the, the good and the beautiful part uh, yeah. a lot more. But it's always fun with, with the Peter people each week. Yeah. So looking forward to another one, especially this one, which, as we said, is, is the most important game of the yeah. season. It's a playoff game as well. I, I want to get back to uh, Buck's Basement Super Chat, though, as well. Um and we all just watched the video. Baker's clearly talking about that. He feels the offense has gotten better yeah. um, since they played Atlanta. And Bucks Basement is calling it laughable. And I don't necessarily know if it's laughable. Because if you look at that time when the Bucks played the Falcons, the week before, they didn't even score a touchdown. They only scored six against the Lions. That's right. And then they, again, 13 points against the Falcons. 18 points against the Bills, and, you know, a lot of that came late in the game when they were trying to do that Hail Mary. Um, but after that, offensively, I do think that they improved, maybe not to the amount that we all want and we all expect, but then yeah. they dropped 37 against the Texans. They scored 20 against the Titans where the Bucks defense controlled that game and the yeah. Bucks offense knew, all right, let's just not make any stupid mistakes and we're going to be okay. Yeah, now the fourteen, right. the fourteen against the 49ers, again does not tell the whole story because they were in the red zone twice. They had to go for it on fourth down just because they were trailing so far behind because the yeah. defense was allowing a lot of points. And then they scored twenty against Indy and then twenty one against Carolina last week. So yeah. I do think the offense has improved. The running game certainly has oh, big time gotten better. And going in, I mean, let's remember. Let's let's kind of revert back a little bit. A lot of what we talked about, Scott, this is something big that you would always bring up is that last season's Bucks team was averaging, what was it, 17 and a half, 18 and a half points per game. And it was yeah. like, if the Bucs could just get to that 20 point range, right, it would be a much better team. Now, we yeah. all didn't expect the Bucks defense to kind of regress like it has this True. season to a degree. But if we go by those standards that we had in the beginning of the season, at least from when they fell against Atlanta and, uh, you know, after they lost the Thursday night game mm -hmm. against Buffalo. So we're talking about from November 5th when they lost to the Texans yeah. in that debacle, which was on the defense since November 5th all the way to December 3rd. So essentially a month from now, they're getting right around that 20 point per game range that we yeah. wanted from them at the start of the season. So it's improvements. It's not, you know, the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs with Tyreek Hill a couple of seasons ago. It's right. It's not the high flying offense that people want, but there are there is incremental improvement. And I think even though it's not as flashy, you just kind of got to stay the course because this team is working on something. I think the biggest uh, thing that you just hit on there, Matt, is the running game improvement, right? Because you go back and 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 look at the statistics from that 16 to 13 loss to the Falcons at Raymond James Stadium back in week seven, the Bucks ran for just 73 yards in that game. And remember, 31 of those came yeah. on a late scramble from Baker Mayfield. That's so that's, right. that's a huge chunk right there. And, and sometimes, you know, you need those chunks, right? We saw a 38-yard run by uh, Rashad White against the Colts that gave him 100 yards in that game, right? I mean, those yards count. Like, that, that you know, even though it's one big chunk, I mean, that's that's what's been missing from the Bucks running attack earlier in the season. Now they're getting some of those. We saw a big chunk play of over 20 yards from Rashad to kind of salt away that win against the Panthers on the last drive. So uh, those are good to see. But if you go back and look at that 73 yards, Rashad only had 13 carries for 34 yards in that game. Now he did have six catches for 65 yards, so he went yes. over 100 yards collectively. But the, the Falcons do a pretty good job, as, as Todd Bowles said today, of taking away the run just with their base defense because they are very stout up front. They're very physical up front. They don't have Grady uh, Jarrett in this game. Uh, he's he's out with the injury, but yep. they, they do have David Onyemata, who's a hell of a defensive tackle, coming over from the Saints. They've got Calais Campbell, who gave Luke Gedeke some fits in the last game. So um, we'll see how, how they do it. Remember, Matt Filer was in the lineup then and and even also true. You know, 
yeah, even today, Todd Bowles said that that Aaron Stinney, yeah, <laughs> has better been been better right at at the left guard position. So you look at Rashad White, 100 yards two weeks ago, 84 yards on Sunday. He's putting up some numbers on the ground that we hadn't seen from him earlier in the season, and I think that that might bode well just from a confidence standpoint going in there and trying to establish the run against the Falcons. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this running game can bring, not just on Sunday, but for the rest of the season. Because the players have been saying for a long time, it's a work in progress, it's a work in progress. Something that we've talked about on this show as well, Scott, is that it's very, very difficult to practice running the football because there's no contact that goes on uh, during training camp. And you can really only get it in the preseason and when the regular season gets going. And when you have the new offense and you have new pieces, including a rookie and um, a guy that you just brought in with Filer and then obviously make the change to Stinney. Uh, we're seeing that chemistry, that chemistry, that uh, that gelling of the offense coming together, at least in the ground game. And then yeah. Dave Canales has asked since day one to run the ball. And once they really get that ground game going is when you're going to see everything else that you've ever wanted to see from the, uh, from the Buccaneers offense. So, and you know what? It's it's not just the left guard that's switched out, right? With Stinney and therefore Matt Filer now yeah. since the Bucks and Falcons last played. It's also Payne Durham has taken over that number two tight end role. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ahead of Keeft and also ahead of David Wells, who, remember, had a big fumble in, in that game and, um, and, and pretty much cost him a, a shot um, yeah. you know, for more playing time. So we've seen kind of the emergence of Payne Durham. He's getting better as a blocker. Had a great block, um, kind of a kickout block, if you will, um, on uh, on Brian Burns uh, in that game. You can check out Josh Capo's uh, X feed for that uh, clip. Uh, so whether it's that or whether it's the catch above his head that probably should have been a touchdown, uh, had Todd Bowles reviewed it uh, in Indy, yeah. this is a guy that's coming on too. And, and when we say the running game, the offensive line has actually done a pretty good job. It's sometimes it's the tight end position that has let down Tampa Bay's ground game uh, by not holding up their blocks. But I think we've we've seen a little bit of improvement from Kate Otten. We've seen Payne Durham be a better number two than either Keeft or David Wells, and he probably provides a little bit more you know punch in the passing game as well. So uh, they're they're doing a better job collectively. They also have a little bit of, of different talent in there than when they faced Atlanta the first time. And let's face it, Rashad White is just running way more confident now. Uh, He's hitting the percent. holes, no hesitation. Uh, you're not seeing that kind of you know dancing behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, there, there's more rhythm. Cody Malk and Luke Gedeke on that right side of the offensive line have really formed a one-two punch there, and they've got some real rhythm. So. I, I think, you know, so far so good for Tampa Bay's run game. This will be a really good test because not only do the Falcons do a good job of running the ball, they do a really good job of stopping the run as well. You're a thousand percent right. Todd uh, uh Rashad White doesn't even look like the running back he was in the first two months of the season. Yeah. He is a completely different player. And I don't know what exactly – made the uh the switch flip maybe it was just him kind of dominating and getting it done in the passing game that is translated over to the running game yeah. maybe it's the fact that uh the offensive line has picked it up a little bit shout out to josh capo as well for all of this film breakdown he was one of the first guys to identify that kate Otten's was a liability in uh yeah. in the run blocking game and now with the insertion of, of Payne durham it's obviously uh, picked it up a, a fair amount. So, yeah, there are a couple things that you could point to for the Bucks run game improving a uh, a great deal. But we got a couple super chats to yeah. get to. Thank you to Meets McGee for this $5 super chat who says, Doug Williams would have gotten a second contract, but Culverhouse didn't want him, severely low-balled him. That's Doug true. Doug Williams' curse. 
Yep. Uh, it was a real thing for, for uh, a minute here that forced him to go to the USFL. I think yeah. he played for the Houston Gamblers, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and then had success, obviously, with the Washington Redskins winning the Super Bowl there and, and becoming the MVP. Uh, broke a lot of uh, barriers uh, in terms of, of race, yeah. quarterback position. And so uh, really beloved by two franchises, Washington and Tampa Bay. They both shared that guy in terms of his legacy because he's meant so much to both uh, franchises. Yeah, it was actually cool to see the other day uh, Burke Kreischer, the, the famous comedian that obviously uh, is from Tampa as well. He teamed up with the Bucks. Uh, I believe they're doing something for Habitat for Humanity where mm -hmm. they're raising money to uh, to build homes in the Hillsboro uh, community. So Burke Kreischer shot a video and he brought Doug Williams into the video as well, which was super cool. One thing I will say is I, I wish this product was around when there was negotiations going on with Doug yes. Williams because – I would have thrown as much of this product as possible at yep. Doug Williams, and he probably would have re-signed with the Bucks. Of course, I'm talking about Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of PeterReport.com. There's so many awesome flavors that you can get over at Celsius. The Cosmic Vibe is their newest one. My personal favorite is the Arctic Vibe. Um, there's a lot more great ones. The Sparkling Orange, the Sparkling Wild Berry, the Strawberry Lemonade, the Strawberry uh, – sorry, the uh, – Strawberry Kai, the Sparkling Wild Berries, Sparkling Watermelon, um, Tropical Vibe. The vibes are always high on the show. There's so many great flavors to choose from. Uh, there's no sugar. There's no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. So if you haven't had Celsius before and you want to try it for the first time, maybe this Oasis vibe, don't worry. Just go to the Celsius store locator, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could pick one up. It could be a Walmart, 7-Eleven health and fitness store or scott what could it be yeah yeah diaby <laughs> sorry wrong voice bodega and uh once you go to your bodega where hopefully if you're in the tampa area maybe you'll run into yeah yeah diaby <laughs> and you know that you love celsius and uh, you want more of it you can get more of it. You can get it in bulk. I'd recommend getting the variety packs of variety spice of life. Just go over to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and you can have it sent to your place of residence. Whenever you want, you're in charge. You're the captain. It could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly, up to you. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. just got the injury report, Matt. Okay. Let's go over the injury report here because there's some big news. And if you are a loyalpewterreport.com reader, you found out yesterday what you're going to hear today, which is that's kind of what we try to do. We try to look into the future here and prep you pewter people for the pewter possibilities uh, in Ooh, the future. This is uh, quite the list. So starting <laughs> out, of, of course, yep. with the Buccaneers, KJ Britt uh, with the back limited in participation, Levante David groin, full participation. We knew that was coming from Todd Bowles today. Yep. Jamel Dean, ankle foot, did not participate. Rossi Dennis, this is the other one that Todd Bowles told us about. Illness, full participation. Robert Hainsey, I guess both of his knees are jacked yeah. up because it says knee <laughs> slash knee. Right. <laughs> Limited participation. Josh Hayes, illness, did not participate. Cody Mauk, foot, limited in participation. J.J. Russell, uh, for personal reasons, did not participate today. Vita Vea, toe, did not participate. Devin White, foot, did not participate. And Tristan Wirfs, ankle slash back, limited participation. Then we'll roll through uh, the Falcons real quick. Clayus Campbell did not participate. Drew Dahlman did not participate. Wide receiver Matt Collins, fully participated. Mike Hughes, full participation. Nate Landman did not participate. LaCale London fully participated. Offensive lineman Caleb McGarry did not participate. Cornerback Jeff Okuda limited. Defensive lineman David Onyemata did not participate with an ankle injury. Running back slash wide receiver Cordell Patterson uh, did not participate. He just had a rest day. And then A.J. Terrell, cornerback, was limited today. He's in yeah. concussion protocol. Yeah, so – uh, let's go over some of these because these are really important uh, for this game coming up here. It's part, part of the preview is who's going to play and who's not, right? So yeah. we found that out last Sunday uh, for the Buccaneers. They didn't have a lot of linebackers, right? So uh, let's start with the Falcons because Matt just read that there. Some of the key names there, obviously, Clayus Campbell rest, he's going to play, yeah. et cetera. But Drew Dalman, the center, 
with an ankle did not participate. That bears watching, as well as Caleb McGarry, the offensive tackle, the right tackle. He did not participate due to a knee. So, uh, listen, it's, you know, what are we at? Week 14, Matt? We, week yeah, 14, is that right? Week 14. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, we're in December. Like, and there's nobody that's 100% or even close. Everybody's banged up right now. Yeah. And so sometimes on Wednesdays, you're going to see guys not participate. Then it's limited on Thursday. Then it's limited or full on Friday. And then they end up playing on, on Sunday the entire game. That's just how it is. A.J. Terrell did miss the Jets game, uh, or part of it, right? Didn't he get the concussion in the Jets game? I believe he did. Either that or he missed it. Yeah. Um, but he's he's coming out of concussion protocol. From what I'm understanding, uh, he is trending upward. The limited participation today was a good sign for him. He and Mike Evans have had some battles, right? They I think have. Mike has, has won most of those battles, but uh, they like to go man coverage, mano a mano in these. And there's some times where A.J. Terrell wins and Mike didn't get the ball, but at the same time, Mike Evans has, has had a lot of success against the Falcons because of their penchant for playing in man coverage. So I think those are the key injuries right there. Uh, also, David Anyamata, the defensive tackle uh, with an ankle not participating. Those are going to be worth sticking around for tomorrow's podcast to find out what the latest is with the Falcons because we'll know more tomorrow. Today's Bucks practice was a walkthrough. It was. And, and if you read the story that I put up yesterday, the expectation is, and we knew this yesterday, Levante David and Servasia Dennis will be the starters on um, on Sunday uh, if everything goes according to plan. And right now, those guys were full participants. So those, those two will be the starters. J.J. Russell might be the next guy coming off the bench. Uh, don't expect Devin White to be ready to play. Um, probably a good thing, if I'm just being honest, and people think I'm a Devin basher. I'm not. I just call it the way I see it. I think if Devin White plays, it hurts the Bucks' chances of winning, to be honest, because he was terrible against the Falcons back in Week 7. He's not good against the run. He's, he's, he's like, I think, the second-worst player, second-worst linebacker in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. And he might have the worst run defense grade of any linebacker. Okay, so that's just not me. That's, that's Pro Football Focus is great as well. So uh, we're expecting David and Dennis to be the starting linebackers. This will be an interesting combination. If, if David resigns, Matt, and if Dennis continues to kind of show some things in the send, this pairing might be your starting linebackers for next year. Yeah, we are taking a little bit of a glimpse into the future with Levante David and Servasier Dennis. And it will be very interesting to see as well because Servasier got the nod, obviously, when Levante was out when they went up against the Colts, and they didn't yeah. they weren't great at stopping the run. But now you bring in Levante David, and as we've talked about a thousands upon thousands times on the show, Levante cleans everything up for Devin yeah. White. Levante can clean some stuff up for Sarasia Dennis, yes. but if Levante doesn't have to clean as much stuff <laughs> right. for Sarasia Dennis compared to what he has to do for uh, Devin on a weekly basis, that can actually shore up a lot of stuff with stopping the run against Atlanta, which they know he the they are going to want to do against yeah. the Bucks. Now, as far as like coverage wise with Sarasia Dennis, I still think the jury is still very much yeah. out on that. Let's remember. This was months and months and months ago, but he started out fantastic in coverage. He had an interception in rookie mini camp, then mini camp, and I think early into training camp as well. Yeah. Now that's training camp. Who cares about that? Now yeah. we're in December of the regular season. But it's just uncommon shown- to it's uncommon to see any particular player at any position have four pick sixes yeah. in practice yeah. over one off season. I mean, yeah, it was, I've never seen that before from anybody. Exactly. Derek Brooks. It was pretty wild for sure. And then you get J.J. Russell in the mix as a uh, backup, and we'll see what's up with K.J. Britt. So yeah. I think really the moral of the story is Levante David's back. Be happy, everybody, because yes. uh, anytime <laughs> exactly. Levante is in the lineup, your defense is uh, much, much better than it is without him. Uh, let's get yep. to the super chat from Kathy Gillespie. Thank you, Kathy, for the four ninety nine super chat. Your thoughts on Baker's ankle? We all know textures to be tough. Uh, doesn't look quite the same in my opinion. Well, the good news is that he's not on the injury report, so there's yeah. no concerns anymore about whether or not he can play. Obviously, it was very, very painful in the moment. Yeah. Um, Baker plays through 
campaign pretty well. I mean, I think everyone remembers when he took that shot against the Saints on the touchdown. Oh, yeah. Kate Otten, and he was still able to go. By no means is he 100%. We kind of already talked about that with the with everyone else. But um, I don't think it will limit his thought about having to scramble if he needs to. Um, yeah. Now, he did have a really bad game, but I'm going to chalk that up to the rain and everything more than what uh, than just, you know, than his ankle forcing him to, to play poorly. But if he has another bad game, I think it might be time to question that ankle injury, among other things. The interesting thing is he's not on the injury report, right, yeah. with that ankle. So, I mean, yeah. he's he's a full participant in practice, so that that's a good sign. When we see him at the facility, he's not wearing any wraps. He doesn't have any type of brace on it, whatever. So um, it, I think it's sore. I think it's going to continue to be sore for weeks. My daughter, Jillian, who's a cheerleader at Sunlight High School, she had a, a bad like ankle sprain. And, and she's, she's like, when is this going to like feel better? She's not wearing a brace unless she's doing like running or something. Right. But, but just walking through the halls of school, she's like, when is this going to feel better? I'm like, uh, welcome to, to being an athlete. (laughs) It's going to take months for that ankle to really heal because she sprained it really good. And same thing happened to Baker. So it just takes time. And the more you walk on it, like the, you know, the, the, the longer it takes it just even things like that. So um, with, with him having practices and games every week, it's not going to be to the off season until it heals. You just hope that he doesn't really tweak it again. And, and then it causes uh, him to, to miss time. By the way, this is a quick side note, but it does impact the bucks a little bit because they play them in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I could not believe when Trevor Lawrence got injured in, in the Monday yeah. night game, they showed him in the locker room, like slowly walking. Yeah. Get the dude a cart and bring yeah, him no to kidding. the back. Like, why did <laughs> him walk, like, clearly very, very right. far? I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. But when we're talking about the ankle here and yeah. staying off of it, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't help but think about that. And it does affect the Bucks because that makes it a much different game if, if Trevor Lawrence isn't able to go. Yeah. Uh, also, Christian Kirk, uh, his yes. leading receiver, is going to have surgery, I think, for his core muscles. So, yeah. Boy, the Jaguars all of a sudden offensively without Trevor Lawrence and without Christian Kirk, you know, uh, you don't want to look too far ahead because yeah. <laughs> after this game, the Bucks got to go up to Green Bay. And, and Jordan and Love now is is fantastic. He is <laughs> playing really, really well, right? And, yeah. and Matt LaFleur is undefeated up there in December, so we'll see. Yeah, I didn't mean to get off topic, but it no. just it popped into my head. Well said. Well yeah, said. thank you. Uh, Eric Moreno, thank you for this $5 super chat. He said, I saw Vita at practice from the pictures you guys posted. Any concern for Vita? Yeah, I mean, he was out there, but like so was Devin White. So yeah. were a number of guys. It was That's a what happens today. when it's walkthroughs. Yeah. Everyone can kind of be out there. Here's what I'll say about Vita. I mean, there are times he doesn't practice at all, and then he comes out on yeah. Friday, and then he ends up playing in the game. Then – the Buffalo game, and granted, again, it was a walkthrough because right. it was a Thursday night game, but he was there the whole time and then didn't play uh, in the Thursday night game. So, yeah. uh, Eric, I wish I had a better answer for you. It's one of those things. It's it's not. <laughs> Angle <laughs> says they are in Florida and they don't have a golf cart. How? Yeah. Uh, but, Eric, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. It's going to be one of those things. It's really going to come down to probably yeah. Friday more Friday's than anything practice, else. Yeah. yeah, Thursday if he's out there and he's limited. Clearly, he'll be trending in the right direction. Uh, but we do have a uh, super chat from Easy the Great. Thank you for the $1.99 super chat. Who says, we needed Levante David healthy for this game in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. I, if there was any game for Levante to return to, it's this one. Because yeah, it it's essentially the Bucks season. Yeah, they're still kind of in the wild card race. But it's always, it's always been about winning the division. So... Maybe they kept out Levante last week. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they were so down with inside linebackers yeah. that they probably would have played him even if he was at 50%. But, yeah, they're, they're going to yeah. need him. There's no doubt about it. Joel says, Dennis needs these reps. I think he'll be much better in coverage. Well, he's he's going to have to be because either Levante, David, or um, you're going to have Sebastian Dennis in coverage against B. John Robinson, who has three touchdown receptions this year yeah. to go along with three touchdowns on the ground. And when you look at, at what – you know, Bijan has been able to do. And I, I saw this firsthand at Texas. I was so glad he got out of the Big 12 because he destroyed my Kansas State Wildcats uh, a couple years in, in a row. And we usually have a pretty decent defense, but this guy was just such a huge X factor. Uh, Bijan's got 756 yards rushing, 4.8 on the ground, 
three touchdowns. Remember, he played sparingly against the Buccaneers because he had some kind of mystery illness, wasn't feeling well, whatever, in that game. And they didn't need him because Tyler Algier run for over 100 yards against Tampa Bay. But yeah. <laughs> as a receiver, you know, he's, you know, you look at, at, at uh, the Falcons, it's not just Drake London who has 573 yards and a pair of touchdowns, uh, or the tight ends, Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith. Both of those guys have over 400 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns. Bijan Robinson is that number four receiver for the Falcons. He's got 17 catches. Sorry, he's got 35 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns. So a mm-hmm. uh, lot of production in the passing game, kind of like Rashad White in that respect, but he's just a more natural, better, pure runner than Rashad. And, um, you know, he's he's dangerous. He really is. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, Bucks fans, but as a fan of the game, I'm excited to see B. John Robinson because they, you know, we see highlights and stuff, but he didn't play in that last game against the Buccaneers. Yep. Um, I'm excited to see what he'll do. Um, against the Bucks defense. Uh, we have a $2 super chat from Man Easterling. Thank you for the $2 super chat. Uh, any relation to Luke Easterling? Um, yeah. Please let us know. Uh, thank you for the super chat. If you got another comment, we're happy to put it up on the screen. And uh, <coughs> Eric Moreno, thank you for this super chat of $2 as well. It says Vita is not missing this game versus the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if I were going to bet on it, I would probably say Vita would play. I mean, he's a team captain. This is the biggest game of the season. It's a yep. game that they gotta have. So I would probably more than likely say Vita would play. Um, but you, you never know like how serious all these injuries are. If Vita does play and you think he might have higher or lower on a number of different uh, stats in the game, you could pick Vita Vea over at Underdog Fantasy. <clears throat> Underdog Fantasy is so much fun to play um i got peter picks and props that comes out each friday where i make my uh, underdog fantasy picks along with other gambling picks as well for the bucks game and other nfl games as well but really all you're doing is uh picking the higher or lower on a number of of stats could be receiving yards interceptions rushing yards tackles uh stuff for the kickers as well um you got to pick at least two different teams so you know you could pick one from the, one player from the Bucks, one play from the falcons you can go all the way up to five players and win up to 20 times your money just use the promo code pewter p-e-w-t-e-r when you sign up with underdog fantasy and get a first deposit bonus when you play the game they have a lot of fun in-season tournaments the rivals is a lot of fun and of course it's always a great time using the pickums over at underdog fantasy they have it for multiple sports for every football game. So if you're watching other games out there and you're like, eh, not that interested, just throw a little cash on Underdog Fantasy and make the viewing experience that much better. One more time, use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Uh, that's a promo code. And uh, get a first deposit bonus with Underdog Fantasy. Uh, Man Easterling says, just looking ahead, I would not play Devin White again as a buck. I think his efforts are unpardonable. Mm. Having said that, this upcoming free agent inside linebacker group as well, Patrick Queen. Yeah, I mean, Queen's Queen's a a good linebacker for the Ravens. They already have Roquan Smith, so are they going to invest right big money into two inside linebackers? You know, that's that that's where it gets dicey because you know can you afford to just like can the bucks afford mike and chris right both at, at 20 million dollars or yeah. more next year it's going to be interesting to see what happens there uh, i think levante david right he he will definitely get a one-year contract offer from tampa bay i think after this season if he wants to continue to play there's no doubt um but there's not a huge market uh in, or I should say there's not a huge amount of, of linebackers on the free agent market. You've got Devin White, obviously, uh, who's not going to be back. Josie Jewell, who's getting up there in age a little bit with the Denver Broncos. Jordan Hicks. You know, these guys are like Jewell's 29. Um, Hicks is 32. Bobby Wagner, of course, is still out there. He's really on the downside of his career at 33. I think Levante still has a, a couple of decent years left in him uh, from a, an athleticism standpoint. Um, Willie Gay from Kansas City was a player I liked coming out of Mississippi State. He's kind of been a little, you know, hit or miss as as a consistent linebacker. Um, it's it's not a it's not a huge group in terms of, of big names, 
Shaquille Leonard obviously it was was let go, but he's lost a step due to some injuries. Resigned, or I should say, signed with the Eagles, right? So, yeah, um, the Bucks they're going to use. I think the rest of these games. Take a look at Servasia Dennis. Maybe take a look at JJ Russell and see if they have some of these guys uh, on the roster that can step in and play. You don't have to be a first round draft pick to to be a good linebacker. I mean, yeah. Devin White was a first rounder. Levante Davis a second rounder. What Fred uh, Warner was a third rounder, if yeah. mem- memory, memory serves. Dr- uh, Dre Greenlaw was a fifth rounder out of Arkansas. So maybe the Bucks have one or two of these guys that are starting caliber players already on this roster that they compare with Levante David if he comes back next year. So we'll see. Yeah, you just you don't know until until you give them a shot, and uh, you know that's kind of the big thing. And the Bucks have had their history of finding players in the rough maybe maybe Servase Dennis is is the next one yep well what I do know is uh, if you're looking for a realtor um, the guy that you need to get is is Eric Gross whether you sign him whether you draft him whether you acquire him in a trade Eric Gross and the Eric Gross group the official realtor Peter report uh, is is the 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 expert when it comes to the real estate market here why because Eric is a Tampa native his father is stationed at McDale Air Force Base. He is a huge Tampa Bay fan and avid Pewter Report reader. And the thing is, is he doesn't treat his his uh, clients like transactions. They're they're lifelong friendships, and that's so important because you got to remember your home is your biggest investment. So, and it's not just a house, folks. It's a home, which means you got to find the right house in the right neighborhood. That's what makes it a home, and that's where Eric and his team they come to play uh, every day. The Eric Gross Group, they've done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market. They've got experience in all types of situations, whether you're buying or selling your home. Give Eric Gross a call. I, I guarantee you, you're not going to be disappointed. This guy is a top-notch human being, and he knows the real estate market inside and out. But don't believe me. Check out his website, housesinfla.com, and let that impress you. Check out their inventory. It's a great website with a fantastic layout, housesinfla.com. You can also follow Eric and the Eric Gross Group on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. Or give Eric a call at 513-907-4271. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome at the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. Again, visit housesinfla.com. Let's get to a couple videos from the facility today. This first one is Todd Bowles just kind of talking about the next opponent with the Falcons. Talks a little bit about Desmond Ritter, something about the defense as well. Well, It's a division rival, so I think all three are difficult. But, you know, Arthur does a great job uh, playing ball control, yet getting explosive plays. I think their defense is playing very well. They're playing like top five defense in the league right now. And defensively, we gave up two minutes at the end. And offensively, I thought they stalled us pretty good. What have you seen out of Desmond Ritter now that he's had a little bit more time? Well, he's got control of the offense. He knows where to go with the ball. He's always dangerous with his feet. I think it's very underrated, but he's a very accurate passer. This is on it this week, given that, that Atlanta really kind of that, they lean on that heavily. Well, you tried it too much in the run game. They're going to burn you in the pass game. They got a lot of weapons on the outside, so we got to play balanced football and we got to play honest football. Everybody's got to do their part. Do you view this as a playoff game? Every game we play from here on out is a playoff game. That last game against the Falcons, Bijan Robinson wasn't a factor. He hardly played. So, how much do you have to account for him this time around? We can stop him full time if he doesn't play. <laughs> but other than that, he's been playing quite a bit. Um, you know, he, he's at full tilt. Looks like he's at Texas. You know, he's running the ball well. He's catching the ball well. He's a route runner. He can do a lot of things. And then, of course, another marquee. Not necessarily matching because they don't play against each other, but there's two great safeties in this game between Jesse Bates and, of course, the Bucks' own Antoine Winfield Jr. So, Scott, you had asked Todd Bowles about kind of both of those safeties and, of yep. course, for Baker Mayfield, how did it play against Jesse Bates and, and what that entails. Then Antoine Winfield Jr. and Jesse Bates. I haven't seen Jesse too much. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I know from his past, he's always been a great safety. And the way Wynn's playing right now, you know, I haven't seen many better. I haven't watched every team in every game, but I'll take him up against everybody. That, that play to, to close out the game for you guys from Antoine Winfield, just, just how big was that for him to make that when you needed to make it? Oh, it was huge because it closed out the game, like you said. I just stated we hadn't closed it out before in two minutes. So to come back and close that out was big for us. Piece in the game, right? I mean, Winfield and your team, obviously, but, but what Bates has been able to do in his first season in Atlanta, can you just speak yeah. to that and how dangerous he is? You got to kind of avoid him at all costs. Yeah, he's, uh, I know I mentioned this the first time we came around. I played him a bunch of times when he was in Cincinnati. Um, extremely smart player, obviously athletic, but uh, extremely smart, knows how to pattern read, knows, uh, knows how to get everybody else lined up, and, and just always seems to be around the ball, making plays on it. So he's, he's one of those guys you got to know where he's at all times. Um, when you're going through your progression, he's going to be reading your eyes, so uh, have to be smart when you're, you're moving through the field. You look at this as the game of the year for you guys because of the impact it can have on, on obviously your chances for the yeah. postseason? Yeah, I mean, uh, I said it, but the, the one game at a time mentality, they're obviously leading the division, so it's divisional games are already important, but obviously where we're at right now, extremely important for us, and just got to be singular focus on any way we can beat the Falcons, got to find a way. Yeah, when you look at, at Jesse Bates, what he's been able to do this year, I mean, folks, as as much as we love and, and adore Anton Winfield Jr. here in Tampa, uh, if, if we're being honest, <laughs> if he has an equal, it is Jesse Bates. Bates leads his team in tackles, 92. Winfield has 89 by comparison. Uh, Bates has seven pass breakups, five interceptions, five, including a pick six, and three forced fumbles. So, he is just, he is basically the taller version of Antoine Winfield in Atlanta. Um, just having a, a powerhouse year. This is going to be fun if you like defense to watch both these safeties go at it for their respective teams. They're both playmakers and uh, they're both having fantastic seasons. When you look at, 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 um, uh, at the Falcons defensively, uh, they still don't pick off a lot of passes, Matt. That was the case back in, in, uh, in week seven. It, you did see, I believe it was Richie Grant picked off Baker Mayfield. That was his only yeah. interception. They only have seven picks all year, and that was one of them, the Richie Grant interception over uh, uh, the Kate Otten on that interception. So Atlanta does not do a good job of picking off passes. They only have seven this year. Bates has five of those, so Baker's got to avoid Bates at all costs. And then just like Tampa Bay, they they kind of collect sacks as a collective, as as a unit. Same thing in Atlanta. They don't have that one breakaway guy. And and Tampa Bay really hasn't had that since Shaq Barrett was doing his thing uh, with double-digit sacks. So Arnold Ebichetti, five and a half sacks. One of their edge rushers, Bud Dupree, the other one has five. David Anyamata in the middle, three and a half. Old man Calais Campbell's got three himself. Lorenzo Carter, another edge rusher, is um, he's got a, a pair of sacks. Nate Landman's got a couple. Caden Ellis, who's a very good linebacker. He's got a pair of sacks as well. Grady Jarrett, they're missing his presence inside. He had one and a half sacks before he left uh, due to injury, and then Richie Grant from the, the secondary. So they have some playmakers in Atlanta. They just play really good team defense. They just have a good, sound defensive scheme, and 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 those players play well together. It's a, it's a good collective unit. The only real superstar on this Falcons team, as I see it defensively, is Bates, and he's just – he is their Antoine Winfield Jr. He's yeah. the one-man gang, and he didn't have a, a huge game in Tampa the last time. Certainly, a, AWJ outshined him with all of the big plays that he, he made, did. but keep your eye on Bates and, and Antoine. Uh, it's going to be fun watching these safeties play on, on Sunday. By the way, uh, congratulations to Antoine Winfield Jr. A great week of accolades for him. Yeah. He was uh, nom- He was the Bucks. Uh, representative and uh, nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, right. uh, which is super, super cool. Uh, every single team, all 32 NFL teams, get uh, one player from their team nominated, and Winfield is the one representing the Bucks. He joins Mike Evans from 2019 through 2021 and Will Golston uh, last season in 2022, now Antoine this year in 2023, as uh, current Bucks on the roster who have been nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So good luck to him. Hopefully he can win it. And then today it was announced that he was named 
as the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. So another great outing for Anton Winfield Jr. Had a sack, had an interception. Obviously was a big reason why the Bucs Led the won. team had in tackles. No yeah, led the team <laughs> in tackles. So, uh, yeah, and, both, both and, of these safeties just just do it all, really. And, and you know what? The interesting thing is, is Levante David, now he missed last game, right, with, with the injury. Actually yep. missed two two games. But he's got 90 tackles. Antoine is the second leading tackler with 89. So he's like right there neck for neck uh, with uh, with Levante for, for the, the tackle leaders. We know Antoine Winfield is going to step up. He always does. Yes. We know Mike Evans is going to step up. He always does. It's mm-hmm. been the case all year for these two uh, pewter uh, players. But who is going to step up beside them? Because they weren't enough to beat the Falcons back in week seven. It's going to take another guy in offense, another guy in defense. We're going to debate who that that player is on both sides of the ball with J.P. Peterson. is going to be our guest tomorrow. Uh, JP's covered the Buccaneers for a long time here in Tampa and also spent some years up in Atlanta uh, in the Falcons market. So he's got experience on, on both sides of the fence here. So that's tomorrow's show at four o'clock. Myself, Matt Matera, uh, Adam Slavon, and JP Peterson will all be uh, talking more Bucks Falcons as this is this big game, Matt. We need we need to talk more about it. It just it's that big. Yeah, it's super, super important. Very excited to have JP. Peterson on uh, tomorrow's show. He's a great guy. Uh, both Scott and I have been on his show as well. So we to do a little cross-branding promotion with him uh, over on our podcast tomorrow at 4 p.m. But in the meantime, please follow us on all of our social media on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. That's at Peter Report. And, of course, our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV, where we have the podcast, Peter Game Day Show, and various other clips. We'll also have the Peter Game Day show coming up on Sunday, starting at noon, and then the in-game reactions and everything else and the opinions coming up at 1 o'clock. So that's going to do it for us. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out.